Hi, I'm Joe Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, we have a few things to talk about. First up, my review of the latest episode of Marvel Studios' What If. Then, for Spotify listeners, we're talking about a song from a film you probably forgot about. And finally, I talk about a terrible sitcom. But first, let's talk about What If. This week's episode of Marvel Studios' What If took a bit of a turn. Now, it wasn't as dark as zombies, but at the same time, really did in on a massive downer. The episode was titled, What If Killmonger Rescue Tony Stark? Now, there's one thing the episode does change up, is how Tony is saved. As a quick refresher, most of the action in Iron Man begins when Tony is kidnapped by the Ten Rings. That is, after he gets an explosion of his own weaponry, which essentially leads to him becoming Iron Man. The change here is that apparently Killmonger was nearby the whole time, got the missile, and threw it before it could blow up in Tony's face. And instead of becoming Iron Man, Tony just goes back home with Killmonger, gives him a job at Stark Industries, and at the same time, quickly resolves the problem with Obadiah Stane, the bad guy in the first film played by Jeff Bridges. Although it should be noted that in this episode he is not voiced by Jeff Bridges, and the guy who does the boys really doesn't sound like him. I was a bit surprised that Killmonger managed to take down Obadiah Stane in less than 10 minutes. I honestly thought he would have played a bigger role in the episode, considering how Obadiah Stane was trying to simply take down Tony and take control of the company. But no, like, Killmonger just simply takes him down with Google, which is in a way a bit more straightforward. Almost like one of those bad fan fictions in which the Gary Stu character all of a sudden says he's the bad guy, take him away. Now something that did catch me off guard was, well, all the killing. And I know that might seem confusing considering, well, with a name like Killmonger, he's bound to kill some people. And there was a lot of it. Spoilers. Based on the way the episode was going, I was under the idea that Killmonger would eventually become Iron Man somehow. Since at one point, he talked to Tony about creating a robot, and I assume, oh, he's gonna make a giant robot and just be in it. But no, he just creates a bunch of robots. Though I have to admit, I'm not sure where that line of I like anime was either for Killmonger or Michael B. Jordan put it himself. And yes, that was Michael B. Jordan playing Killmonger, which was amazing. It's great hearing Michael B. Jordan reprise Killmonger, since it's highly unlikely he'll show up in the sequel, considering what happened at the end of that film. As for whoever voiced Tony in this, he sounded terrible. Now for what I've looked up, Mick Winger voices Tony Stark in What If? And he's been playing the character for a few years already, voicing him in Avengers Assemble, the animated series, replacing Adrian Pazdar, as well as a few other Marvel animated productions. Some people might disagree with me and say, oh, he sounds fine as Tony Stark. But the problem is, whenever I heard his voice, I kept thinking, why is Jack Black doing the voice? And then I found out he also did the voice of Poe in the Kung Fu Panda TV series and video games. So it may or may not be intentional that he just sounds like Jack Black. I was expecting at some point for him to start screaming and yelling like Jack Black and screaming about the pick of destiny or something. But going back to the episode, right after that scene where he and Tony talk about robots and getting vibranium, I assumed, 
Oh, Killmonger's a good guy, and he's going to be a superhero. And then he kills both Rhodey and T'Challa, which caught me off guard. Once again, it's just weird hearing Chadwick Boseman one more time, and I know I've said the words one more time a lot in these past few podcasts, but I honestly didn't expect him to be such a major role in this series. I'm amazed he actually did all this dialogue, but the more I hear of Boseman, the more bittersweet it will be when the final episode of the season airs, and we definitely know that'll be Boseman's final role as T'Challa, or ever. Now this episode in some form is an amalgamation of basically the first Iron Man, but also Killmonger's arc in Black Panther. And I was a bit impressed that they actually did a good job mixing those two together. And it actually does a good job reflecting the continuity, since when Killmonger goes to Wakanda, some of the characters are still alive or younger, such as Shuri, and T'Challa's father is still alive, because the events of Civil War have not happened. Now some might be disappointed by how the episode essentially allows Killmonger to win. And in some ways it is a bit frustrating seeing the bad guy win. But then again, that's the whole point of the show. Showing a what if scenario. And in this case, Killmonger won. You see how Killmonger managed to play both sides. He essentially kills off the only people who could have stopped him. Without Rhodey, he could simply convince the Air Force that he has all of this vibranium and go find Wakanda. Without T'Challa, he could just simply walk into Wakanda, give them a sob story, and then just simply take over the nation without a fight. And with Tony, well, knowing him, he just kills him off because he's the only person who could take him down because he's been with him so long that he could just use everything he learned against him. There were a lot of other minor details in the episode. One which I really liked was how Killmonger said Wakanda forever. Back when the film was being promoted around the world, Michael B. Jordan was a bit frustrated over how everyone was saying Wakanda forever, considering how in that film, Killmonger was wholly against Wakanda. So it seems really weird that you're saying Wakanda forever to the actor playing the bad guy who wants to take over Wakanda. And in this episode, it finally has him say Wakanda forever, but in the most unexcited and lethargic way possible. I'm still surprised though he managed to kill off Claw. Out of all the characters he killed off, Claw felt the most superfluous. In both the film and the episode, the only thing he needs from Claw are directions to Wakanda. So it seems really random to kill him off in this episode, because at least in the film, it kinda made a bit more sense. Here we're just simply killing him off for no reason, other than to say, hey look, I found the killer. Another thing I was really surprised by in the episode was how Killmonger at no point kills T'Chaka, considering how, at least in the film, he was the one who killed his father. Unless that were to happen in a follow-up. At this point, I think it's fair to talk about the mid-season trailer before the cliffhanger. A few hours prior to the episode coming out, Marvel released a mid-season trailer for What If? Which, in addition to highlighting what's already been shown, also kind of spoiled the next few episodes. Now, it didn't outright reveal what happened, but it did feature a teaser for an episode that clearly follows up on what happened in this one. In particular, the Dora Miyake, the younger Shuri, and Pepper all walking together while Pepper holds what appears to be a giant gun. Now, the reason I say that's a bit of a spoiler is because in the end of this episode, Shuri somehow gets to Stark Industries and gives Pepper a chance to help avenge Tony's death. 
Now when I saw the mid-season trailer, I didn't catch that particular image since I was just focusing on the highlights and I didn't see that brief panel where Pepper and the others were walking. Then now seeing it again, yeah, it's a bit of a spoiler, especially the part where we see Doctor Strange Supreme and Party Thor interact with one another, and we have yet to see Party Thor. But going back to this episode, it was good. Some might be disappointed that the episode ended with Killmonger getting away with the deaths of Tony, Rhodey, and T'Challa, but it showed how he didn't fight for anyone but himself. Now sure, he might have the same end motivation like in Black Panther, but the difference was of how he got there. Compared to last week's episode, this was better paced. At no point did it feel like it was going way too fast. Also, I really loved the scene between T'Challa and Killmonger at the end, with T'Challa saying, look at what you've done, and Killmonger not caring. Overall, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark was a great episode. With only three episodes remaining this season, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. And hopefully next week we'll have Party Thor. Marvel Studios What If streams on Disney+. For those of you listening to this podcast on a provider other than Spotify, this segment is not available and can only be heard on Spotify. Instead, we're going to move on to our last segment about a 90s TV sitcom. So recently, I discovered that one of these sitcoms I used to watch at way back in the 2000s was on Hulu. Long before I had access to the internet, in the time in which in Millie it was limited to using the laptop for a few hours, I would mostly watch whatever was airing in syndication. So that would mean if it was airing on, say, the local channel, that was pretty much it. We didn't have cable, so it was just watch what's on the local channel. And if it wasn't primetime TV, it would just be whatever's airing at midnight. Which is how I discovered a few good sitcoms, like My Wife and Kids, According to Jim, Home Improvement. Some which are terrible still, but My Wife and Kids still holds up. That's another one I watched on Hulu, and it was pretty good. One that didn't hold up was Dharma and Greg. Now for those of you unaware, Dharma and Greg was a sitcom that aired on ABC from 1997 to 2002, running for 5 seasons with 119 episodes. Now I bring this up because I didn't watch Dharma and Greg when it aired on ABC. Where I'm from, there was, for a long span of time, no local ABC affiliate, specifically in the Imperial Valley, where essentially the only way to watch the station was through cable, to watch the San Diego station, ABC 10. So I didn't watch the show until it entered syndication, and in the Imperial Valley, the local Fox station, KECY-TV Fox 9, began airing it. Essentially, they put it on right after Fox primetime, at a time in which the station did not have a local newscast. During that time in which ABC did not air on an over-the-air station, I had to watch it in reruns and syndication. And with Dharma and Greg at the time, I thought, oh, this is funny, this is hilarious, it's quirky, it's goofy. When I found out the show was on Hulu, I decided to binge watch the entire series. And then after a few episodes, I realized, I fucking hate it. Here's the thing. For most people, if you watch a TV show, say, when you're a teenager, you might find it funny, but then a few years later, you might say, this wasn't as funny as I thought it was. The same could apply to Dharma and Greg. Or, in fact, any TV show you used to watch as a kid or teenager and are watching it again as an adult. 
Now, I have to admit, I did my best to watch as much of Darman Greg as possible on Hulu, but I just hated these characters. Now, for those of you unaware of Darman Greg, the show centers around two completely different people who somehow fall in love and get married within a day. Dharma is a free spirit who essentially was raised by hippies. She's essentially the free spirit, quirky, the what most people may call the pixie manic girl, and essentially a very outgoing person who is free spirited, happy, and whenever she talks to her parents, refers to them by their names. Greg, on the other hand, is a lawyer. He goes through a lot of things in the show itself, being from a government agent, to a lawyer, to a soldier, mostly a lawyer, and essentially was raised by a family that essentially was uptight and rich. The show completely relies on that concept. We have the quirky, goofy Dharma conflicting with her husband, the uptight Greg. And that is basically how every episode works out. You also see how their parents deal with the problem. Because with Dharma's parents, they see Greg as being everything they were against, whereas with Greg's parents, they just hate them. Now there is a way to make this concept work. It is a really fun idea to see how two conflicting personalities can live with each other. Though admittedly, it does go for the abrupt option of just having them get married in the very first episode. With all of that said, there is something to say about the show itself. Now clearly, the show was not a failure. After all, it ran for five seasons. And on ABC, a network that, while it has aired a lot of sitcoms, most of them had tended to get abruptly cancelled. The other thing to note about Dharma and Greg is the show's creator, or at the very least his co-creator. The show was co-created by Chuck Lorre. If the name Chuck Lorre sounds familiar, that's because he's the creator of basically every CBS sitcom on the air. In addition to Two and a Half Men, The Big Bang Theory, Mike and Molly, and Mom, he is also the same person behind Young Sheldon, Bob Hart's Abishola, Be Positive, and The United States of Al. But going back to Darman Greg, the problem isn't that it's aged badly, it's just not funny. Because you have the issue where you have the free spirit clashing constantly with the uptight lawyer. And that's the entire premise. Now some might say that Chuck Lorre sitcoms have that same problem. And you can essentially call Chuck Lorre the Seth MacFarlane of sitcoms. In which the two of them can only do one type of formula and stick to it. With Seth MacFarlane for example, it's that every one of his animated series has been about a quirky family with a quirky talking animal. With Chuck Lorre, it's one topic and they beat it to the ground. Such as the Big Bang Theory and Nerds. I think the problem I had with this show was how every single problem was caused by Dharma. How Dharma does something stupid and now Greg has to fix it or Dharma has to fix it herself. And it's honestly really bothersome because it's basically Dharma does something stupid and now Greg has to fix it or not and then Dharma has to do something. Greg is somehow not phased by all the idiocy. If you want a good example of how terrible this show was, there's an episode in which Dharma opens up a bed and breakfast in their apartment without telling Greg. It's just an idiotic and stupid episode, especially how Greg keeps trying to fix the problem by saying, why don't they go to San Jose? And then Dharma points out the idiocy, well there isn't a song saying, I left my heart in San Jose. <laughs> and I just have to say, so what? Now I'm not saying you can't make sitcoms with quirky characters. I loved New Girl. That was a great show. But the difference between something like New Girl and Darman Greg was that Jess wasn't an idiot. 
The show just keeps devolving into the same stupid joke over and over, and then it goes for unusually offbeat episodes, such as where the characters are possessed by an old lady or puppets, and I get some of them were Halloween episodes, but even then it's still weird for this show. Was it trying to be the next Roseanne? A show that often had offbeat Halloween episodes? It was just terrible. And then the series finale... They try to finally resolve the problem between their parents, while at the same time trying to resolve their own marriage. And then the show stops. The show would eventually get some sort of resolution. A decade later on Two and a Half Men, in which it was revealed that their relationship was on the verge of divorce. Or murder. So what else is there to say about Dharma and Greg? Well, it's terrible. Honestly, for me, I just didn't like it. It's not a case of the show aging badly. It's just that the show wasn't funny anymore. At one point you think, oh yeah, it's funny seeing these two conflict with one another because you have the quirky one versus the more uptight one. But then you have to stop and ask yourself, how have these two not gotten a divorce yet? If you love Dharma and Greg, that's great. More power to you. But as for me, I'm never gonna watch it again. Dharma and Greg can be streamed on Hulu. Next week on the Pop Culture Shuffle, we'll talk about Marvel Studios' What If? Plus, another Spotify exclusive in which we talk about another song. For now, that is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening.